Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits podcast. We are really excited that you're here to get weird with us. <laughs> and we're going to have all kinds of you know absurd ideas playing around with magnificent guests. And we're just going to go to places you always wanted to go. But, you know, you can tell mom and dad how you felt about aliens, about channeling. You couldn't say fuck. I'm Ashley Bradley. I am a mom. I am an intuitive business coach. I'm a business psychic and a channel. And I am so much about people just like making money from their magic. Really? Like. <laughs> and I am James Lester. I am an open homosexual. I'm a speaker, a writer. I am a member of the recovery community and I am a queer activist. We would love it if you would just give us your your feedback after the episode. Give us a follow. Give us a give us a review. Let us know what you think because we would love to get all of our. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Why am I so entertained by it? I don't understand it. <laughs> because I think that we like to hold ourselves really lightly, and when we do things like official intros, we just get a kick out of all of it. And um, I'm here for it. But hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we're back and we're going to talk about near death experiences today. And we'll be bringing in Susan Grau, who is a returning guest. And we're super excited to have her here because she is an expert on this and is going to be diving into a whole bunch of other things. But I think we should talk a little bit about your relationship to near-death experiences first, just to kind of like warm us up, unless there's any other kind of podcast foreplay that you're, you know, eager to participate in. <laughs> just always trying to get some foreplay with me, huh? That's why you get some controversy, huh? Cold open. I told you it's called a cold open, not foreplay. Um, no, uh, I'm really... Susan, I know she's backstage. Uh, just so you know, like we, I had a group of friends over for like a, a book study for Untethered Soul, and we started geeking out on Susan Grau and like looking at like different videos of Susan Grau. So Susan Grau, like my friends, mm-hmm. were geeking out. I mean, she's amazing. I can't wait to hear everything she has to say about. I don't know, but I got kind of when I was getting ready for, it, I started to get a little weird about it, and that's how I constantly mm-hmm. feel about it. My relation with with this and uh, people that privately know me, I talk about it like sporadically, but a little over four, four years ago, um, I did, I guess, technically die for a little bit. And it, it feels weird to say it comically, but it, I don't know. It's just, it feels like, I guess I deep, deep compartmentalize sometimes with it. And then it creeps back up. But as Ashley had mentioned in the post about it, it really was an experience that ended up saving my life. Um, You know, a little over four years ago, I was deep in my alcoholism. I was very, very, very sick. Um, I talk about this on panels. I was summoning death, like, on the daily, like, in my head, through my actions. And, you know, I've learned through my own spiritual journey that if you ask, you shall receive eventually. And death came for me a little over four years ago. Um, My landlord found me. I was beaten unconscious. Uh, I was in a coma, an infection in my lungs. They said I was going to die. They thought I had died for a little bit. They they told me that uh, my landlord, they'd take me to the hospital to make sure I died peacefully. And motherfucker came back. And um, the, the strange thing with having that experience is there was no more fucking around with my life. 
you know, I came back and I really, I was so freaked out by it. I had a, a clear vision of my life that had been wasted so, for so long that I tried to drink harder. I tried to do more and more drugs to try to blot it out. And, you know, my soul was awakened from it. And it really was a, a beating that ended up saving my life because it got me to face myself and get sober. Um, the near-death experience, I'm really interested in Susan's, you know, exploration of it because for me it's still muddled you know four years later i do remember being in the room looking at my own body and people attending to my body and being like oh you know, really i didn't yeah. know that yeah and kind of being like what the hell is going on here um i think i was at such a, a low frequency when i went out i was already drunk when i was beaten to death Mm -hmm. that uh, I didn't have enough of a connection with my soul to understand what was going on. Um, even afterwards, I had flashes of the events. I had flashes of uh, watching the event of myself being in the hospital. You know, I had let loose of all my bodily functions. I remember watching that and being so embarrassed and then being tripped out that I was watching an experience going on in my own life and being embarrassed by it. So it it's interesting and it fascinates me. And I love hearing people talk about their own journey through it. And I knew that it awoke a lot from Susan. And for me, it, it really awoken my, my liberation to actually want to live and to fight back against my alcoholism. So yeah, I'm really excited to hear anyone else that may be watching today during the live, any input you mm -hmm. have in the comments, please drop it. Any questions? So yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah. So um, I also want to add into that of telling people like this is live and recorded live so that you can ask questions, curiosities. If there is an experience that you had that you want to share that you wouldn't mind us sort of pulling in and sharing with, with everybody, please do that in the comments. Um, I, I think I, I wonder when you tell me that story, if more parts of your experience will come back to you over the years like when you're ready to to integrate them because you know how I'm like really on this Dolores Cannon kick mm -hmm. right now <laughs> and like reading about how those that have um, experiences with our galactic brothers and sisters of mm -hmm. light beings that they don't always have a conscious memory of it and then at certain points when they're ready to understand it and integrate it, then it comes back in some way, like a flash or remembrance. And so I think I get curious if more pieces might come to you over the years. Well, I imagine so. I mean, this being just the four year anniversary just passed a couple of weeks ago. I will say that I remember more and again, the reason I'm so interested to have a conversation with Susan is, you know, I grew up in that house of magic and belief in spirit. And, you know, I was always told from a very young age how powerful I was. And, you know, it's weird to, to work with someone now where as she gets sober, her big fears, like I'm really afraid to step into my power. I'm really afraid to be all that. And I think that's one of like human beings, like biggest fears, you know, is not that we're mundane, mm -hmm. that we're powerful beyond belief. And so I mm -hmm. think that, you know, when I did have that experience, I came back I started to be like, it's time to step into your fucking power. Like if you're going to be alive and you're going to do this. And I think I take baby steps to it. I don't yeah. accelerate at the rate that, you know, maybe I'd like to, but I, I believe all in due time, but it definitely was, there was no turning back. But the thing I, I want to say though, that I believe we can take 
any traumatic event like that and make that the turning point where there's no turning back. Cause you know, like I'm finishing up rewrites on my, my book and it's called life after. And I believe that about, you know, divorce, uh, death of a loved one, uh, uh, like someone cheating on you, losing a job, like, but it can be that, that pivot point for you. But for me, it had to go to extremes because I'm an alcoholic and I don't get the message the first 600 times. But that extreme, there was no turning back. There was no like no more living in like self-pity. There was no more living in a bottle. There was no I remember I'd get so drunk and so high. And I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to think about these things anymore. But my soul had been disrupted. It had been woken up. And I would still think all these really deep thoughts about like, what do you know? This is not your calling. This is no, you're going to get on board with this journey. Like I remember hearing voices like it's time for you to move forward, you know? So I think all in due time, but I, I, it's people trip out when I I say, I'm so thankful for that, that beating. I really am thankful for that beating because it it truly brought me back to life. So yeah. It kind of trips me out as well because there's a lot of mystery around it as well. Like the person was never caught and the videos Mm -hmm. like were kind of mysteriously not there. And Mm -hmm. so it really just kind of goes to show like in the ways in which the universe works. Like I think like you're saying to fully get the message through and to take it to that extreme for you to like wake the fuck up and (laughs) move forward. And so I think that, thinking about that, since I know you didn't even share that angle, just kind of adds to the interesting mystery of it, wouldn't you say? Well, when I was released from the hospital and went back home, I remember a couple times the, the police department showed up and they were trying to do an investigation. I was not cooperative whatsoever. And then about a year into my sobriety, uh, an actual television company got a hold of me and were asking me to participate in like this show about people that had gone through a violent crime that had died, um, you know, to go on air, they're going to like have like psychologists and psychics and all kinds of, and they wanted to solve it at the same time. And oh, wow. I, I started to fill out the paperwork, but something pulled me away from it. And people get kind of mad when they're like, Oh, did they ever catch the person? And they have it. And for some reason within me, like I, I don't feel the inkling to search that out. It's not mm-hmm. out of fear. Uh, a lot of people are like, you need to bring that person to justice. But like, it, it was such a, again, a pivot point in my life that I, I maybe I, there's some ignorance in me, but it just, I, it was what it was. And it's time for me to move forward, not backwards, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is a lot of mystery about it. You know, tapes from our security of the house were missing. There's a, a lot of weird stuff about it, but ultimately I'm thankful Cause it, like, again, I would not, you know, when I talk to other alcoholics, I'm like, I can't tell you about surrender initially because I wouldn't fucking do it. You know, I had to literally beat to death to surrender and awaken mm-hmm. my spirit. So yeah. Who's watching with us here. Just drop us some hellos. Let us know where you're watching from so that we can say hello to you. Um, I do want to bring in Susan Grau in just a few minutes. And she was with us on our All Hallows Eve episode, which so that was like the day before Halloween on All Hallows Eve. And she came in and she was actually doing some reading, some uh, mediumship readings. And it was like super quick. Like I remember she was like, 
in and out within like, I think we actually had her longer because we were just like hanging on her every word. And so maybe it was like <laughs> 20 minutes or so. <laughs> and so I knew that it was like good just to have Susan be our only guest and that we were going to have so many questions for her. I knew from like her website and previous conversations of knowing her story that it was a part of like how her gifts opened up and that it's something that she talks about um, frequently. She's actually writing a book about the topic as well. And we'll see if she's able to share anything with us with that. Um, but I will pull her in. Let's see. So we have somebody in who's in Idaho. Hi. It's Robin. Hi, Christina. Robin's in Idaho. Um, some of you are Facebook users. So I'm saying whoever <laughs> this is because I can't see you. <laughs> so anonymous. <laughs> but as you're here, um, let us know. And I mean, straight up, when you comment, you help other people find us. So if you want to bring some of our cosmic magic to the worlds of other people that are really aligned with what we're doing, then give us a little like heart emoji, you know, give us a little, you know, high five, you know, bitmoji, okay, whatever. You're being, we're you're being weird about it. You're okay. being weird about it. Okay. I'm straight up. I'm oh, like very unveiled here and I'm just like, Hey, <laughs> eggplants. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> no, but what I, I do want to say is if anyone uh, is listening and has questions, please put it in the comments because oftentimes I am guilty. Ashley is much better at this, but I get so enthralled when we have guests like Susan where I'm just listening and like so taking what they're saying that we're going to need you to ask the questions so we can ask them. <laughs> I just like it. I get hypnotized by a motherfucker. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you, Salon. She's getting us started with the emojis. Hi, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Taylor. <laughs> so let's pull in Susan. Yes. Hello, Susan. I think you're muted. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming back and saying yes to us and all of the... Um, shenanigans I, that you probably had to listen to before we started over here just laughing and smiling and um it, it, it it's my it's my thing it's my passion so I love hearing about it and listening to it uh, a great show here too I wish I could have um figured out how to get uh the link on my Instagram because a lot of people want to come over but they don't know how I know. I wish that it it could integrate with Instagram better. So I'm hoping that they all sort of make friends with, you know, link sharing. Soon. But Get that legal shit fixed, right? Instagram, start playing nice with other platforms. Yeah, well, what I'll do is I'll start doing readings on, on Facebook and the next time they'll maybe come over there. And Yes. Yes. So I would love for you to share your story because I know that a lot of the way that your gifts opened up have to do with the near-death experience. So do you want to start there? Okay. Um, I just want to say one thing, uh, you know, I was listening to you guys talk about grieving and, and James, you know, I really, my belief system is we grieve from the moment we're born. And if mm. you've been listening to my YouTube, you know that I say mm. that a lot. And we start grieving from the moment we can't get up, you know, we're, we're born, we're out of the womb. Oh my gosh, where am I? To not being able to get the bottle of fast and to having wet diapers and to losing our blankies. And I mean, we, we grieve throughout our journey. And, and I think, you know, they set it up that way for preparation for the big ones, 
you know, so that we're not so shocked in our grief because grief is obviously the hardest thing we go through and always will be. Um, but I just had to say that because as, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about that and how we're just prepared all the time for every experience we have on this journey. They've always and always are preparing us. And so each soul has their individual experience and each soul also has the understanding of what that journey looks like for them and what that experience might be in some form, whether it be mm-hmm. minor or major. And obviously, you know, bigger journeys are bigger journeys. Um, well, when there is time, if there's time, because I'm sure we're going to get, I would like to talk to you about like your, your, your own journey with grief now, because something I found having had that experience is I feel kind of separated from death a lot. There's like a lot of death in my community. And I talk to Ashley about this all the time. And when it happens, I'm not scared by it. I I don't necessarily, I feel like I don't grieve enough, if that makes sense. I'm kind of like, for me, like it's just opening the doorway to another room of life of life as we know it or don't know it so if we get to it i'd love to hear your thoughts on that yeah i am i actually don't want to die and i actually fear not what it's going to look like when i get there but the process and so i'm a little bit unusual compared to most NDEers. um i think that many of them have no more fear and life is grand and they understand everything and they go through the journey you know Everything is wonderful. I was the opposite. I was scared. I had terrible trauma in my journey. Um, and I was told I was going to, so I'd have more to offer and more to give. And the more you go through, obviously, the more you can give away. Mm. Um, but, you know, I I don't, I think about how I'm going to die scares the hell out of me. Mm. You know, if I'm honest with you. Um, and, you know, but getting there doesn't scare me. But the path, the path getting there does. You know, I mean, there's no... For me, I think that's, um, and I think there are some people like me out there. I hope there are. But, um, you know, I had a, a profound experience, but I was a very young child. And so when I was four and a half years old, I was locked in an unplugged freezer in a garage. And some boys locked me in there. And um, I died. Pretty simple. Um, when I got over on the other side, I remember every detail of what I saw. It was quite profound, actually. I, I remember everything. And I remember everything they taught me. I didn't understand it all. But I Susan, before you tell the full story, that they're saying it's a little hard to hear you and that it sounds a little muffled. It's, it's, I, that's why these are so hard for me because I can't. <laughs> oh, I okay. Be able to hear me. <laughs> um, we can try it or you can actually, I just didn't want you to go if there was multiple people that said it and I was like, oh, I don't want them to miss it. Let's see if um, that's can, tell me if that's better. Yeah, if you as long as you turn um, uh, your volume down so you don't hear us too loudly, it shouldn't echo. But I think right now it sounds good. Okay, can everyone else hear me? How's everything? Um, how's everybody? Can you guys check in with us now? But yeah, I was like, wow, I didn't want to interrupt you, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like it's worse if I let her go through this whole story <laughs> yes, and I can't hear her while. Yes, they're like, yes, yes, yes. Okay, thank you guys for letting us know. I don't know what I'm going to do if I do a podcast because me and headphones don't do well. <laughs> well, you can have a separate mic and then a separate um, things there. So I can always give you the, the little the tech tips. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, four and a half years old, locked in an unplugged freezer in a garage. 
um, a little boy closed the freezer door, closed the garage door and ran home. And our garage was separated from our house. And my mom was in the back of this very, what I called at the time, I was little, long, long house. And um, I remember screaming. And then I remember hearing, don't scream, stop screaming. And it was very loving and I didn't see, you know, tunnels and things like that, but I did see a light and then I didn't. And the next thing I knew I was at the bottom of a stairway and I was looking up these stairs and I, there was this Roman, this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but there was this Roman Catholic, I mean, uh, Roman Greek room and it had an open ceiling and it had pillars and they were cracked. And I knew somehow there was a, a circle in the center of the room. I just knew it. And I wanted to see what was in that circle. And the next thing I knew, I was standing on the edge of the circle, but I had no fear. And I felt jello-like, you know, like my body felt like jello-y, but I knew I wasn't in my body. I had no connection to my body whatsoever. I want to say that. I didn't see it. I didn't care about it. I had no connection to it. I was a soul. And, um, and I wasn't afraid of my body being anywhere. So there was nothing, no thinking about it. It's like free. <laughs> That's how I felt free. Um, and there was this hole, which I choose to call the well. And I have to tell you before I go further, I work with doc, I worked with Dr. Raymond Moody. And in fact, I got my doctorate in ministries of near death experiences with him. And I have to tell you that he um, said to me, I said, I never saw a tunnel. What's up with this? How come everybody says they see a tunnel? This is bullshit. I want to see a tunnel. You know, I, I didn't see it. <laughs> And I was really upset and all his says um, tunnel. And he said, well, what did you see? And I said, I saw a well. And he said, many, many people call it a well. We had to call it something. We had to have something that was co a commonality across the board. And we chose tunnel. And I was, I, I thought, okay, I'm, I can calm down now. But I was pretty. <laughs> you got gyps. You got gyps. <laughs> um, anyway, I saw this giant well and, and I saw words spinning in this, in this beautiful well. And, um, but it was like DNA. If I look back now at the time, I didn't even understand what that was, but they were twisting and turning and, and they were moving in all directions together. And um, I knew that it was people's needs or their desires or their prayers or whatever you want to call it. And I said, um, where am I? And they said, you're in the room of heart's desires. Mm. And I said, do you answer all those? And they said, no, Susie, sometimes what people desire the most isn't good for them. And I proceeded to see this path. It was this beautiful golden path and it had golden pavers on it. So just to preface that, that later on in life, I was in uh, with my husband and uh, my children were singing in a choir at a, in a, at a church. And I heard the preacher say, and the paths were paved in gold and I almost fell off my chair. And my husband was going to be a Catholic priest and he never told me that it said that in the Bible and I never read the Bible. Mm. I just was in shock. My whole body started shaking and I said, did you know that? And did you know it said that? And he's like, yeah, but I thought you better find it out for yourself. Wow, that I did. I did. So um, anyway, uh, there were these golden pavers and there were what I thought were humans um, they were going to this pyramid of golden pavers and they were pulling from the bottom. And at that moment, I knew directly, not indirectly, I knew that that was their soul journey and they were pulling from the bottom of it and trying to pave their path. And what comes when you pull from the bottom of the pyramid? It gets unbalanced. Mm -hmm. 
So I knew that the soul journey was unbalanced. Whatever that meant, you know, I knew it. And um, I heard them saying, you know, for the love of God, help me. Somebody do something, help me. And I saw them coming in. They pulled up the pavers. They put them to the bottom of this beautiful pyramid. They meaning angels, spirit guides, loved ones. Um, It was a spirit and uh, lots of them. And I remember saying, what are you doing? And they said, we are the pavers. You are not. All you have to do is walk. And I said, well, what, how do you know if you're walking it right? And you're going to understand this, James, very clearly. They said that we will either bless it or block it. Mm-hmm. That if we block it, no mistake, you can get through it, battered and bruised at best, or you can shift. And if you see another wall, shift again. And if you see another wall, shift again. And before you know it, we will be on our path um, paving for you to walk. You think you know what's right for you. We know what's right for you. You think you know what it's supposed to look like. We know what it's supposed to look like. And then I was in, you know, I went to the room and now I went all these, all these places, heard a whole bunch of wonderful stuff like that. If I went on, it would take me an hour to tell you the whole story. Ultimately, what happened was, is they were, um, I was told um, that they were going to get my mommy and they told her your baby's in the freezer and she didn't listen. She wasn't meant to. And then she heard it again a while later and she came running out and I was there. She said she spun me around. I was ashen. Um, She, you know, they didn't have cell phones then. I'm I'm going to be 62 (laughs) really quick here. Um, And they didn't have cell phones. And my mom said that she, you know, let go of me screaming to go run to get a phone. I fell. I hit my chin, which the scar is still there. I still feel it. Put my chin open and took a breath. I wasn't wasn't meant to be gone. And they think I was in there. Um, They know absolute that my mom waited 20 minutes from hearing it to to coming. But they actually think I was in there over four hours. I should have. So, uh, so I don't know how much oxygen is. I never looked it up. I never studied it. So I don't know how much oxygen is in an unplugged freezer. I have no idea. I just know what happened to me. But, you know, in the afterlife, there's the room of knowledge, which is an amazing room that is filled with, I, I, you know, I want to call them virtual books, but they're really not books, but they are virtual. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of your journey. And you, it's where you create contracts. And those contracts are not, you know, I hear people say, well, I lost my my son to suicide. Did I make that a contract? Was that a contract? And I absolutely not. But your soul needing to understand deep, painful grief and resonating in that understanding. Why? So we, we, we create our journey. Go ahead. I just want to ask a little bit about soul contracts. If you can give a little bit of expansion on that, uh, your understanding interpretation, because it until like these last couple of years, I didn't know what the fuck a soul contract was. I have a, a very bro- big, broad understanding of it now, but just for those that haven't really explored that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a, a lot of mediums and a lot of um, spiritual workers believe that everything is a planned event. I do not. Um, I go against the grain. I always have. I'm just one of those. Um, but And they also believe that everything that happens in your life is a contract. And I believe there's free will. And if there's free will, it, they can't contract it because they know about it. If they knew about it, it would be a planned event. If it's a planned mm-hmm. event, free will. So for me, it has to make sense. 
You know, I'm very analytical and it has to make sense. That makes no sense to me. But what I do understand as a contract is, um, for instance, I might be up there with you guys and I might say, you know, there's going to come a time where I'm going to need to talk to people and I don't know how to get through to them. And you're going to say, well, let us do this for you. And here we are. Or um, my soul wants to resonate in the understanding of marriage. Let's just say. So I will be married if that's my contract, who I marry, how long I marry, the kind of marriage I have, the type of person I marry, uh, my joy in my marriage, my heartache in my marriage, et cetera, et cetera, is all free will for my soul to grow and expand and be free. And that's the free will part, but I will be married. Might be 90, but I'll be married. (laughs) I'm married, but my my point is, is that that's the contract. So um, contracts are our soul's decision of what we need to resonate in because we come here for knowledge and love. And in order to, so if, if I were to um, uh, give you a book on the ocean and you had never, ever, ever seen the ocean and you read everything about it, that's what happens up there. This is experiential here. So we go, well, I want to know what it really feels like. So until you put your toes in it, you smell the salt air and you resonate in the energy being knocked around in the waves and the coldness on your feet and the heat of the sand burning the bottom of your feet. You don't really understand the ocean and the sand and and that experience, do you? You have to to be in it to to understand the full experience. We're here to do that. Whether it be love, making love, Whatever it is, whatever it is, we are want our our souls to understand and expand in. I love that you say that because I think people that do uh, talk about soul contracts, they think it's very specific. And I love that you mentioned it's broad. You know, if you're meant to uh, experience grief, it's not going to be a specific grief. It could be a a variance of elements of grief. Marriage, like you said, it can happen when you're young and when you're old. So for me, contract are like little stipulations of things you will experience while you're down here on the earth mm-hmm. experience. And, well, and I, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. Uh, well, and then I love what you were saying about uh, free will too, because in the program that I work, we talk about nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And I always say like, they'll say, well, this happened. Was that God's will? And I said, well, you weren't being in God's world. Were you, you were being in your own world and you were making your own path and you were going against the universal forces that are trying to aid you. I don't know if that makes sense to you as well. Yes, you know, and in God's world, um, I don't believe anything's by mistake because I think they make good of it for our soul to grow. Mm. So there, is, there are no mistakes, not really. We will do things that don't look good to us, and we will do things that ruin us, and unfortunately, and we will do things that harm others and all those things. But we grow in that. And so um, do I think that God planned every one of those things? Absolutely not. I feel like if that were the case, why am, why am I here? What the hell would I need to be here for? You know, my free will has to be empowered. Everything I make a decision on changes my soul. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have to make any decisions, how would my soul change? Pain is our greatest motivator to change. So our greatest motivation in free will is pain. We cause ourselves pain. We cause other pain because the soul expands in pain. When we are in pain, the first thing we do physically is contract. You know, if you think about, oh, my God, my child, you know, we contract. But then as we're going through the experience and we're healing, we're expanding. And the reason we're expanding is because our soul gets an expanded awareness and clarity about that circumstance so that it has this growth potential. 
but we can't have that if everything's planned. Mm. So it's not a mistake. They're right. <laughs> you got to yeah. accept that a lot of mistakes are right. <laughs> but it's meant to be for us, whatever that is, whatever that circumstance is, they make good of everything. They will make, they will help you understand and become more if you choose that. So you have the person who's grieving, you know, and I know if you've watched my YouTubes, you guys know both my mothers and my brother committed suicide. My best friend committed suicide. My sister-in-law died of brain cancer. I can go, I could keep going. I was trafficked as a little girl. I can keep going. My life was not easy. And, and I don't share that uh, to everyone. I share a lot about the, um, the, the suicides, but you know, the, the sexual abuse and those things, I don't share that often, but it's all there in my journey and like it is for so many. But the difference is, is there are people who take those circumstances and they become a victim of them. Yes. Then we have those people that take those circumstances and on half pain. Sometimes when I talk about it, I cry, you know, that poor child, that poor, whatever it is, but we take that circumstance and we give from it and we have a well <laughs> utilize to help others become more because of it. Not in spite of it. If you are using the word, yeah, I went through that and in spite of it, I'm still strong. Ooh, you know, what a negative connotation. But because of it, I'm more. So I have more to give. That's the goal here is to get that. Some people automatically go there. Some people do not. Yeah, and I, I get that total mindset. Sorry, Ashley, if you're going to say something. I, when I first started getting sober and I would talk about the event I described, I would always say I would be the victim of a home invasion. And now over the last couple of years, I say I am the survivor of a home invasion because I really feel that whole mindset that you're speaking of determines the life journey you're going to have. You're either going to be the perpetual victim or you're going to be rise to be altruistic and help other people find their bearings. So I, I love that you bring that up. How about this one? You're a thriver. Mm. Invasion. Loving that. I'm, I'm taking that. Susan. You didn't survive it. You are thriving through it and you mm -hmm. do more to others because of it. So I'm not a survivor of suicide or sexual abuse. I am a thriver in it. And I take it and I, and when someone comes to, and, and let me tell you, they bring lots of people who have sexual abuse, um, who have been um, um, out there in the world being trafficked. They send people who are suicidal and commit and lots of suicide in their journeys to me because they walk in the room and I'm already thriving into, I'm already there. I already know. I already know they've been there. They are there. They will be there. And so, because I understand that emotion so vehemently deep. And so what a, what a beautiful gift they gave me out of it. Because if I couldn't do that, I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys. Number one, I probably would have blown myself up by now. Honestly, the journey was hard and it was hard for you too. And I don't know if, if I would be that person that if I could shift that, I wouldn't. If you threw all your stuff in the center of the room and I threw all my stuff in the center of the room, I can guarantee you I'm walking out with mine because I understand it. Number two, I've grown through it. And number three, I have something to give because of it, because I have such deep understanding. So when I was there, they talked about all of this to me. And yeah, let's talk about that more, like the creation of a healer and how the gifts are connected to it. Because the way that I'm seeing it is that with um 
an expansion of range that the deeper sort of frequencies that we might experience that that gives us an expanded range. And the way that I'm listening to it, it sounds like that's the thing that gets us in touch with more of our magnificence, right? Like, or how Abraham Hicks might talk about how the solution is never created sort of like with the problem that everything has to have its other counterpoint. Like I'm seeing this all connected in to how the gifts open. So let's talk about that. I'm so curious. Okay. Well, when, when you're in the problem, the problem gets bigger. And when you're in the solution, the solution gets bigger. So let's get bigger, mm. right? We want to be the solution at all times. Um, and that's hard to do when we're in pain. So do you have to have a near death experience to have these gifts? Absolutely not. So I'm not too convinced on that. I have to say, did it help me understand? Nope. Nope. I was terrified. I came back. I saw people. And I saw people before that. I actually saw animals floating when they would die at three. And I remember it. And it's mm-hmm. how I went back to that memory. But it was always there. But I have to be honest with you. I didn't, it, I didn't expand more because of it. I understood more because of it. And there's a difference. We all have the, the pathway. So we just have to work the muscle and we're, and some of us are meant to use it in this lifetime and some of us aren't, but we all have it and working the muscle. If I'm not working the muscle, I am not growing in this, in this gift. So it doesn't matter whether I pick up a one pound can of beans or a one pound weight. If I'm lifting it the same way, I'm going to get that muscle the same way. It's the same way with the muscle to the pathway to spirit. Mm. So, uh, you know, when I teach, I teach people that, you know, you can expand into this. I don't know how far you'll go into it. That will be spirit's decision. But my near-death experience, what it, it gave me validity. Okay. So honest out the gate, it gave me validity. So when you've had a near-death experience, people go, whoa, this woman's seen the other side. So there's the validity. And in that gave me courage to be a medium. It gave me strength to say, listen, I saw the other side and I could utilize that. And so it helped me grow and work that muscle more and more and more. I want to say probably I felt more trustworthy because of my experience, you know, because when you talk to me about spirit, I can tell you what I saw. You know, I'm not just going by something that doesn't make sense. And and just to take that just a step further, when things don't make sense, pay attention. So when somebody tells me you have to wait three months to talk to your, your loved one, don't do it before three months. Spirit wants you to wait three months and they have this rule. And I'm like, I hear it all the time. And people call me and I, and I go, well, let me ask you a question. Did they tell you there's time there? Well, yeah, I asked him. They said no. And I said, how does that make sense? <laughs> no time there. That's some- <laughs> I'm sorry, Susan. I hadn't heard that before. That sounds like some bullshit. <laughs> that kind of stuff I know the difference of. And so that gives a little validity. But I have to say, you know, there's so many beautiful, wonderful mediums on this planet that have never had a near-death experience that blow me away. They blow me away. But on the other side of that coin, if you want to talk about the truth of the afterlife, you need to have been there. And I don't think enough people have seen it to be able to talk about it, yet they do all the time. Mm. And so when I'm listening to that, I ask them, where do you get this information? Well, from spirit. Okay. Well, but are you sure? <laughs> you know, I'm like, are you sure? Because it doesn't make sense. So much of it doesn't make sense. 
And they're not nonsensical up there. They taught you to have a brain. They gave you the brain you have. They're very intelligent and worthy and loving. And they have all of, you know, five million times fold what we have. So they're not up there stupid enough to say something that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so that kind of thing always comes up for me. But as far as being, you know, the truth of the afterlife, and since this is near-death experiences, is that they love you and they want you to grow and be more. And if that means pain, it means pain. And you'll do it for yourself. They don't have to do it for you. You'll do it yourself. Then they take that and they create more with you. Mm-hmm. So, yes, your psychic abilities probably grow. Mediumship doesn't grow through near-death. Psychic abilities, I think probably it helps. But more importantly, your psychic abilities grow because what happens here? Your intuition is your psychic ability. It's in your gut. It's not outside of you. Mediumship here, you know, intuitive is in your gut. And so your gut says, don't do that. How do you tell the difference between gut and fear, my friends? How you tell the difference is, is fear feels unsettled. It fears, it feels um, anxious. It feels overwhelming. It feels all these negative emotions come from fear. From intuition, it's calm, it's peaceful, and it's a knowing. Uh, I got to tell you, listening to everything you're saying from the lens of recovery, it's, it's it's so amazing how much you're helping me expand with my own knowledge of the programs that uh, the spiritual tools I use. So I thank you for that. I did want to ask you, I had a friend privately message me to kind of ask you your thoughts on this. He himself had a near-death experience. He was under vast amounts of drugs and he did not necessarily have like this the good spirit experience mm-hmm. he saw a lot of darkness um there was a lot of fear there was a lot of demonic energy around it and he wanted me to broach your thoughts and perceptions on what that was and uh if you had any insight on that well, part of that has to do my belief system part of that has to do with the drug mm-hmm. So he didn't, he didn't die. He had a near death experience. Okay. So when you die, you have a different experience, but he was on a drug. And so everything is in distortion, everything. And, you know, we have to remember, we take our memories with us. We take our, our, our energy with us until it can disperse. So that negative energy, the drug energy, that that world that we suppress ourselves with drugs and alcohol and those things, that's going with us in the beginning. And so we get there and we can disperse it and, and get rid of it. So he's in that vision. We're in that vision when we're under intoxication. Now we think we're having fun, but in truth, our brain's going, what the heck? And it does not combine with spirit world at all. Do I believe that there's demons? No, I don't. And I may be of all the people the most wrong of all of them, you know, but I just don't. I don't entertain it. I don't believe in it and I won't allow it. Mm. um, I don't even I don't even allow people to um, bring it up in my groups. I say, you know what, this is something we'll talk about after, but this does not belong here. It doesn't belong here because what you fear, you feed. So you have to learn not to go there so that you bring in all of the beauty and positive into your journey within, in, let me tell you, no one is punished like that. They love us. What I do know is, um, 
you know, it'd be barbaric to think that they would do that. But what I do know is they will take us like to a hospital setting and they'll work on our souls to heal us before they'd ever let anything bad happen. We're human and we do that for people. They are love incarnate. They would never not do that. Mm. Yes. I think when we talk about Christ consciousness and that like it's our own hell that we can create while we're living, I think that that's... (laughs) the the way that I tend to see it. And I know that when we were reading, when we went to unity in, in orange County and we were reading about like their views, I was like, well, that makes sense. That, that, that completely makes sense to me. So that all lines up. Yeah. I mean, it, it has to make some sense, but you know, I'm so sad that, that he had that experience or whoever he, she had mm-hmm. that experience. But what I want them to know is they need to release it. Because what we hold on to, we carry, and what we carry, we create. Yeah, and I, everything you said, I totally vibrate with. I mean, I think a lot of, I personally believe the devil, devil, is our own self-will run riot. You know, we create, like Ashley was saying, that hell here on earth, that hell experience. So, you know, having that drug experience and having near-death experience that aligns, just like, when I had my own, it was just confusion because I was so dis- disconnected. I didn't get to spirit. I didn't get to source. I was disconnected. I was, you know, f- sorry for the language, but fucked up, you know, and, and I felt that. And to hear you having the actual contact with spirit, that resonates from my core. So thank you for giving that experience to us. You're welcome. And, you know, I think, too, is when I say we take us with us. So people tell me, what about when I'm laying in bed and some negative thing comes and goes and scares me? And I said, how many how many evil people are there on the planet? I mean, we were to take count probably, you know, half of them. Well, let's say a third. A third of people have evil thoughts. And, and let's say maybe a tenth do evil, evil deeds. And before we get there, we're leaving our bodies, right? And we still have a little bit more work to do, right? Because we're taking that with us. Remember what I said. And here you are, somebody who can see me. I'm going to do my last boogie booga, <laughs> right? And on the way out, and it's happened to me. And I'm just like, okay, go, you know, go. This is ridiculous. And they're gone. So, you know, I always tell people, if you give power to demon, demon has power only because you gave them power. Because if they really had power, if there really was demons up there that had power, we'd all be thrown through windows. We'd be saying, you think they'd stop with going boo? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. They're going to terrorize you completely and 100% every moment of every day, every chance they get. That's our demons are inside of us. You're right. Yep. And that's the whole free will choice component as well, that like you don't have to choose to interact with it. And so I am totally in your free will choice camp as well. Um, So I know we are at the end of our time with you already, but would you be open to sharing anything about any projects around people that want to go deeper into stuff with near-death experiences with you? Because I'm not sure if you're able to talk about it or not yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do anyway. I, I, I don't have that kind of a guard up of, oh, I can't. Um, well, I, I have worked with different projects. You know, you were talking about on, on the TV, you know, that kind of thing. Walked away from a few that I felt were teaching children about demonism and things like that. I couldn't be part of that. Um, so TV, I feel sometimes like you have to sell your soul to do that. So I've been stepping back from that somewhat. I do it in the background. 
So there's shows that come on and I, I'm very fortunate I get to do, um, get the information from spirit for them so that they have more uh, consistency to work with what, how that person died, what kind of place that is, that kind of thing and why it feels haunted and everyone dies there. And, um, I did one on the Cecil house, you know, things like that. I'm just watching that documentary. Sorry. I just watched it the other night. What did you go to Cecil yourself just real quick? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I connected with, um, which is really, you know, creepy, the, the Night Stalker. I mean, mm. when I connected with him, I was here in my house. And he came in. I actually am going to put that video up when I can. It's two hours long of connecting with all the people who died and who were there that I didn't even know about. Um, I knew that I didn't know anything about him. You know, this is when I was a little girl. But um, I'm also doing... Um, Part of my memoir in the truth of the afterlife mixed together. So my visitations, some of the things I went through that helped me grow, what the afterlife is like and, um, and what spirit wants you to know, you know, in through my own experience and, um, and my own eyes of, of what spirit's given me. So that's the book I'm it's getting written right now. Uh, I thought I was going to be doing it more, but I kind of, um, I kind of uh, keep changing what I want it to look like because there's so much. There's just so much. You can't put it in a book. It's like I can't get it. So I have a writer now, and she's helping me. And I'm teaching. I'm doing metaphysical teaching. So if you live um, anywhere in Orange County or L.A. County or Riverside County, San Bernardino, San Diego County, and you like to learn about your gifts, um, or even if you have them, which you do, by the way, um, I teach. And so I do developmental groups and of course I do my live events and things like that. I'm just, um, I love this. I love it. I love helping people. I love what spirit gives them. I love being a conduit and I love just having that, you know, people tell me, you know, you've got this gift, you've got this gift. And I go, doesn't everyone have one? You know, this is kind of cool. But doesn't everyone have one? Someone sitting down at a piano and being in an orchestra is a gift to me. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could play like that. So a beautiful voice is a gift to me. Which, by the way, the angels, when they open their mouths, their voices and their music come out at the same time. Mm. Mm. I love, I love that. it. They also do not punish people who commit suicide. I actually watch them patting them on the back, giving them love, giving them guidance, telling them, good job, we're proud of you, you worked hard. There's no hate there. None. And like like you were talking about, you know, in my own life and the community I'm part of, there is a lot of suicide and, uh, you know, a lot of overdose. And I believe that as well. You know, a lot of people will grieve and be like, oh, my gosh, you're going to hell. And, you know, for me, I, I believe source embraces and heals and loves. And when it's time to go back for Earth experience, it's done with a kiss on the, the forehead and release. So, I mean, if someone committed suicide and you were leaning over them, would you go, you're going to hell for this one? Or would you go, Oh my God. Yeah. I love you. What, what mm-hmm. were you thinking? I love you. That's what they do. They're mm-hmm. so better than us so much. And it's because we have a brain and our brain is, and our thinking is distorted by the world. So we can't step out of that distortion in order to function because it's impossible. We wouldn't be able to move our bodies. So, or, or anything, you know, so many things we have to do to function here. So our soul goes with us. The things we need from our thinking and our journey go with us. But this brain dies when our body dies. Thank God. (laughs) 
Suzanne, you're just so amazing. Thank you for joining us once again. And it, I, I think you're a part of our Facebook group. If you want to share any videos or any links for anything you're doing, feel free. I know Solange is going to drop some links, but I just love yeah. you. And every time you come around, thank you so much. Thank you. That's so nice. Thank you. I love you guys too. I love listening to you. You're so adorable. Both of you, <laughs> you get in these conversations and it's just so real. <laughs> we'll have to come and see you because we're both in Orange County as well. And I know that James would love to do that for one of our friend adventures. So um, we're going to drop your Instagram link. Is that where you would usually post like for your events is on your Instagram? Yeah, I'm working on TikTok. It's a little out of my venue for being my age, but I am working. Yes, Susan. Susan, <laughs> Susan, I don't want to hear you talking shit about your age. You look <laughs> fabulous. That's not that's not loud here. All right. You're you're hot mother. All right. You you're thriving. Yeah, you're thriving. You're, you're early 60s. You belong on TikTok. All right. I'm trying. I'm trying. Just, um, I'm not a real good marketer, you know, I'm just not. And I think it's just because I'm so busy helping that I'm not, I'm not great at marketing, but you don't need mm-hmm. to be great at marketing when you got such a goddamn gift. in the When you got spirit girl. doing it for you, just <laughs> magnetizing right. people to you. But um, thank you so much. I definitely encourage everybody to follow Susan. Someone was just saying that this is one of their favorite episodes and how awesome it was today. Um, but definitely follow her. We dropped her site and also she's at medium Susan Grau on Instagram and she actually does live readings on there and they're amazing. You definitely have to connect in with her and see what she's up to. So thank you, Susan. We just adore you. Back at you. Bye everyone. Thank you for coming and listening. Take care. Thank you love. Bye. Oh, that was so awesome. Another yeah. hypnotic guest where I feel like I could just get lost listening to her. And I definitely, I have to read that book wow. now because I just wanted to hear detailed things of like, well, what happens after the golden pavers and the pyramid? Like I just wanted to keep hearing it all. Well, when I get hypnotized by my three, I get chewed out for not calibrating <laughs> up and what's your problem? But you know what, Ashley? I totally feel you. She has a hypnotic present, so I'm not going to give any grief about it. All right? Okay. Okay. Well, we would love to hear um, from the rest of you as well if there was something that stood out, like what the big learning was. I feel like... I am a big person that's all about free will choice as well, because I do think that when people go to receive a reading that they're always like asking, like, will this happen? Will my business be successful? And I'm like, well, like there's a lot of free will choice here. So what we can do is tune into the energy of what we're seeing and see how aligned it is with where you want to go. And what's great is like, you get to co-create with that. You get to create with those energies. And if it's not headed in the direction of your liking, that you get to take the actions, adjust the thinking, do different things to create the experience that you Mm -hmm. want. And so I'm just um, completely about the free will choice and that there are big parts. I mean, I totally like with the soul contract portion, like I think that um, there's that sense of mission in many of the, the healers. Like, and I think that um, 
we, we watched the movie soul and it talked about like, Oh, you and you, you know, all of you humans with your purposes of life and you complicated things. And I, I do think that there are some healers that have kind of a dual mission where we're here to expand as an energy and as a soul, but also, I mean, I have that sense of mission and that's just my truth. And I know that other healers, I would guess you as well, like have this other inbuilt part of you that you're like, well, I know that I'm here to do something and support people in a specific way. And that how I do that is ever unfolding. Well, I really love that Susan tapped on we're here to love. And that's what I ultimately believe. And everything that you do, you know, we're just talking about your new business expansion and it's all done with love. So it's meant to be done. And I think that, you know, do I want to write books? Do I want to speak? Do I want to do all these magnificent things? Sure. But my number one mission is to love. And usually if I'm loving, I'm creating and I'm mm. engaging with other people that are creating. So I, I love that she mentioned like you're, you're motherfucker, you're here to learn and love. And I think we get so far off on like, I need to have this family or I need to have this career, or this house. And those are all lovely things. But if mm-hmm. you're not doing it with love, like you kind of fucked off your earth mission, man. So I just. <laughs> <laughs> this I is think- totally our school. Yeah. It's our, yeah. our classroom. And, and um, Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that part of soul. You know how I got all about soul. That's where they were kind of laughing at him, like, you and your purpose. Like, you know what your purpose is, dude? To, like, have adventures and love your friends and grow and expand and not be a dick. Now, don't be a I, dick. I do agree, though, because when people talk about purpose, like, I see it slightly different. But obviously, that was just, like, a one-sentence moment. But that a lot of times people think that their purpose is, like, a specific career or a specific business. And what it always comes back to that is that there are certain energies or impacts that they want to have and the way that they do it, they're actually meant to be doing that all the time. Like as they buy their coffee at Starbucks and as they deliver their Ted talk, it's like, it's in the small moments and the big moments. And so I do tend to see it a lot more energetically rather than like, this is the job, you know, this is the soulmate and that there are all of those choices and expressions in there. And, um, I think that, yeah, I feel like we could just get off. That's like a whole other fucking episode right there. <laughs> like, well, we yeah. just keep going on all that. <laughs> but I mean, that that is a th- living your truth, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it goes back to soul contracts. So if you're living your truth and you're abiding by your soul contract, that doesn't mean you hit, you know, point A, B and C. It means you come here, you love people, you have this experience, you have this experience. And those people get so far away from their truth. And like Susan mm-hmm. was saying about the mind, we get stuck in our mind and what we have to be and what we're supposed to experience because society said so. And what we're supposed to believe because, you know, a certain church or a certain person in our neighborhood said so. We get so stuck in mind, we ignore our soul and our soul just wants to expand, dude. And it wants mm-hmm. to love and it wants to experience. So I think that's what I I took away from my own strange experience with death was like, I need to stop fucking around. I need to start loving, including myself. So I just, I love Susan's energy and I love you I'm getting all hippy. dippy about you. Thank you. And I have a story that I make up, I think as of right now about what was said to you when you died briefly or when mm. you were almost dying is that they were like, motherfucker, are you tapping out right now? Are you going to keep going on this mission? The choice is up to you. Are we doing this or are we not? And that you were like, kind of reluctantly I think you said I feel like I feel like almost like maybe 
there was some convincing, but I don't know. That's just what I'm making up about it. Why so. do I have like the rudest guardian angels in the world? And why? <laughs> Mine well, sounds- they're probably an aspect of your soul. So they're going to, you know, <laughs> they'll talk to you like that to get you to listen. And that, th- that sometimes you had to be a little, you know, they had to take a firm hand with you because that's just, it was a tough love. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's at least how I see it, like in the movie of my mind. And like of course, all your, your life movie. All your guardian <laughs> angels are just a bunch of gay men because <laughs> let's be real. That's part of your journey here is to learn to be a woman because you've had too many experiences as a gay man. And that's how we end up, you know. I will up- accept that and like otherworldly beings, like if we're going to be real here. <laughs> I'll take it. What do we have for next week? Have we ironed that out, my love? Yeah, we have. But let me look at the calendar before like I try to go off memory because I was just telling you before we started that it's been quite a week with like teething babies in my household. And um, yeah, I'm feeling a little tired today. And yes, we are doing um, Christianity and Buddhism. And so I don't even know how I get back to you. I like that. Can you see me still? I can see you. I can see you. Okay. I feel like I try to look at different things. Yes, you can craft the title. It's just that you need to get on that. And it needs to be clear enough for people to understand. That's my request. But we are exploring Christianity and Buddhism because I think that um, there's a lot of different, sometimes in the spiritual communities, judgment around people that are um, more resonating in a more religious experience. And so our intention here is to actually look at the the common grounds or how the two religions might be saying um similar things in different ways. And we're going to have a roundtable style conversation with two amazing guests, people that I love and that have, um, yeah, just very interesting backgrounds. And so I'm, I'm eager to talk to them. I think it's going to be fun. I'm stoked. Yeah. So that'll be next week. We'll see you there. Bye everybody. Love you guys.